0: and blessing of baptism. And I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28, a very familiar passage of Scripture, which we know as the Great Commission. Beginning in verse 18, and we're also going to read in Mark's gospel, his version of the Great Commission in chapter 15. So, first of all, in Matthew 28, you can follow with us on the screen this morning as well. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then in the Gospel of Mark, chapter uh, 16, uh, beginning in verse 15, and he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized, did we hear that? Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Father, we pray this morning that as we open your word, and as you teach us in your word about the beauty and the blessing of this holy sacrament that you have ordained, that our hearts would be touched with a new passion to live for you all the days of our lives, and as we've sung, to have hearts that are full of devotion in loving you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Now, at the very outset of this message, I want to say that I know that churches have their rituals. Every church has its ritual. And in the New Testament church, we learn that there are, I prefer not to call them rituals, but ordinances that were ordained by Jesus Christ. And they are the Lord's Supper, and water baptism that are far beyond what we would think of as a mere ritual that the church requires. Water baptism is not a rite of passage that people who want to belong to a church feel they need to accomplish so that they can become members. These are not mere symbols Sometimes we look at the Lord's Supper and we think of communion as merely symbolic of deeper spiritual truths. And they are symbolic. But they are so much more than that. And if you see them as only as symbols, then you are missing out on the glory, the blessing, and the benefits of what are to take place in our lives as believers. I want to suggest this morning that when we follow the Lord in the waters of baptism, that these are indeed events. I want to call it an event that takes place in our life. It's an event that should mark us for all the days of our life. It's an event of gigantic proportion for all believers who participate in water baptism because they truly belong to the realm of the Spirit. It's not a religious church ritual. It is an ordinance that Jesus ordained and an experience that brings us Into the realm of the spirit that not only has just spiritual implications, but a life-changing impact that takes place when we obey the Lord in walking into the waters of baptism. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but actually, I learned it for the first time as I was preparing for this message that the word baptism or baptize is found 74 times in the Bible. I would say that if it's mentioned that many times, then surely it is of great importance in the heart and in the mind of God. It tells me that I must never consider water baptism as, uh, with a cavalier attitude or treat it as something well I can take it or leave it. No, 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 because when we study the Word of God, we understand that when we accept Jesus Christ, there is an urgency to follow the Lord in the water, waters of baptism. Water baptism is not an option in the life of the believer. Now, you could be a churchgoer, and that's fine. But there, we, we've said it behind this pulpit so many times. There is a world of difference between a church person and a kingdom person. A church person is only concerned about going through the rituals. They're only concerned about looking like a Christian trying to act like a Christian. I I don't think there is a greater tragedy in the world than for people who act like Christians but are not really in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they're living in a delusion, thinking that the religious activity is somehow going to gain merit with God. The only thing that gains merit with God is when we are accepted in the beloved through a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ that comes to us because of the cross and by the power of God's Spirit. So it is not an option. It is critically important to our salvation experience, and that is not because I, as your pastor, have said so. But it's because the Bible says so, and Jesus commanded it. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now, as we look at baptism, we discover that there are actually three baptisms that are spoken of in the Word of God, first of which is the baptism of John. We recall John the Baptist, don't we? We know him as the forerunner of Jesus. In ancient times, there were heralds who would proclaim the coming of a king because they honored the king and they understood that if a king is coming to town, there are certain preparations that need to be made. Well, God ordained that John the Baptist would be the forerunner or the herald who would declare that the king is coming, but this was no ordinary king. This was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all kings of all lords so John came to herald this long awaited messiah and there was only one message that needed to be declared to prepare the people for the coming of the king and that was a message of repentance and that was the message that John preached was it not the first words on his lips was repent for the kingdom of God is near. come. how do we as sinners come into contact with a holy God, with a righteous God? How can impurity and pure holiness meet? It is only through the foundation of repentance. The psalmist says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Only he that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vain things, nor sworn deceitfully. That is the one who could stand in the presence of God. And how do we gain a clean heart and a pure heart? It's by the recognition of our sin and repenting before God that we need a Savior. I want to mention just by way of aside here that as John was commissioned to proclaim and herald the coming of Christ, it's amazing to me that he did not go out into the city to declare this message, but he remained in the wilderness where he lived all of his life. John did not seek for a platform, but when it was time for God to use him, God created that platform in the wilderness, and God called the sinners to go into the wilderness to hear the message that John was proclaiming. And guess what? Even the religious leaders went to hear what John had to say, even though we know they rejected it. And when John saw them He had no fear or concern for favor of man, he declared to those religious Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, you brood of ripers, you're just a bunch of snakes. Who warned you of the coming wrath? If you're really sincere before God, prove it. And how do you prove it? You prove it by the way you live, by the repentance that you have made before God and the changes that are to take place in your life. We'll have more to say about that in a few moments. But quickly going on, that's the first baptism, the baptism of John. Then the second baptism is the baptism that we're going to observe this morning, and that is the believer's baptism. Through this baptism, we identify with Jesus Christ. You know, water baptism most perfectly pictures what took place on the cross and how the cross of Jesus Christ impacts our lives. We go down into the water that speaks of his death on the cross and our identifying with him in his death. Because if we will not die to sin, we cannot live for Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross. What was the cross? It was an instrument of crucifixion. It was an instrument whereby a criminal was nailed and there hung until he died as punishment for his sin. So when Jesus tells us to take up our cross, what is his invitation? His invitation is that we follow him to the cross, that we follow him to death. And in water baptism, we are walking into that water into our death. And then you go under the water that speaks of our burial. And the scripture says, if we died with Christ, then we must be buried with him by baptism into his death. If you don't understand that, you don't understand the significance of water baptism. God is showing us that when we walk into that tank this morning, and those of you who have already walked into that tank, you are identifying with Jesus Christ in his death, In his burial, when they took him off of that cross, they laid him in the tomb. And then thirdly, thank God we come up out of the water. And those that are getting baptized are all saying a big amen. I'm not keeping you under this morning. You will come up out of the water, which speaks of resurrection. We are raised to walk in newness of life we're going to talk more about water baptism but i just want to mention the third baptism which is also for every believer that is baptism in the holy spirit this baptism is for empowering us to serve jesus christ we could get saved god can cleanse us from our sin And we can have the joy that we know someday we're going to be in heaven with Jesus. But while we are here on this earth, we have something to do for him. And we cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do it because we feel like, oh, I'm gifted in this area. No, we need the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God's Word tells us it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. So there is this glorious baptism in the Holy Spirit that is subsequent to coming to salvation in Jesus Christ. We're baptized into Christ, and we know it's by the Holy Spirit that we are regenerated. He gives us a new heart. But then we need this further baptism, which is a baptism of fire and of power that enables us to live for Christ. This was the baptism that Jesus promised in Acts 1 and 8 when Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. They they were still interested in Jesus. When are you coming into your kingdom? Jesus says, it's not time and it's not for you to know about that. What you need to know is you need power. You need an anointing to serve me and you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then what will happen? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they lived, and then outside of where they lived. You know, you could be a witness in your home, but how about in the workplace? So then you're going to be a witness in Judea, and even beyond that in Samaria and under the ends of the earth. I think we understand that when Jesus came, salvation pretty much was just contained in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. But this salvation was not just for the Jewish people in Israel. It's a salvation for the whole world. And thank God that Paul heard the Macedonian call and Philip went to uh, to, uh, Mas- uh, to wherever he went. I can't remember at the moment. But they, they were scattered. And even when persecution came, they were scattered even beyond that until the whole known world received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they went how? They went in the power of the spirit now notice this promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost but listen to what Peter said after said they're a bunch of crazy people they're drunk Peter said we're not you don't get drunk at this hour of the day This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I'm so thankful that we're still living in the last days and more than ever before, God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. You know, back in the 70s, something glorious took place. We call it the charismatic movement. Baptists became Baptecostals because they never believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and upon the Presbyterians and upon the Methodists and even upon the Catholics, those who sincerely accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. They received this mighty, infilling baptism of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what Peter says. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And what will happen? And you, too, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what follows in the next verse. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off. Everyone who... Thank you, Fallon. Who? I still didn't hear you. That's much better. Whom the Lord our God shall call. Have you been called by Jesus? Then there is this mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give to you. Notice Peter connects this with the conversion experience. That you just don't accept Jesus Christ and then get baptized in water. Three things happen, and that's how it happened in the New Testament. They got saved, they got baptized in water immediately, and as they were coming up out of the water, many of them were just filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's happening today. It can happen this morning. May it be so in Jesus' name. That we'll experience, and even those of us sitting in these pews, that we will experience another mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's been years since you've sensed the touch of God's Spirit and that anointing and that unction on your life and that power to live for Jesus and to be a witness. In the book of Acts, it was just not uh, one time that the Holy Spirit was outpoured. We read over and over again that when they were gathered together and they prayed, the place was shaken. and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and they began to speak in new tongues and to glorify God. How hungry are we for what God has for us? And I feel like I need to ask you what the Apostle Paul asked the Ephesian Christians. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Now, all three baptisms are obviously very significant in the New Testament. They're all unique. They're all distinct and different. But there is a common denominator, and that common denominator is obvious, isn't it? Each of them is a baptism. Baptism in the original Greek language comes from the word baptizo, which has one meaning and one meaning only, and that is to immerse. And the idea, as you could see on the screen this morning, is that the object is fully covered and totally enveloped by water. I know that there are some churches that speak about, we do baptism by sprinkling. I find that nowhere in the scripture. And if you're sitting here this morning and saying, oh, I was baptized when I was an infant, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't find that anywhere in the scripture either. Because baptism is for people who understand salvation. Baptism is for those who have accepted Jesus Christ and now want to make a public confession of their faith. And the only baptism that I see in the scripture is baptism by immersion. It was always where there was much water. David Pawson, who is a renowned Bible scholar, found all the English words that correspond to the meaning of water baptism. Drench, dip, dunk, douse, deluge, soak, sink, swamp, steep, saturate. All of that to say we must never compromise or feel that there is any other form in which we can be baptized but through immersion. Because that is the word of God. And I want to suggest this morning that immersion has everything to do with the significance of these three baptisms that we spoke of this morning. It's amazing how one little word can so dramatically change the meaning of something. There's a world of difference between being baptized in water and being baptized into water. The difference is when we use the word in, we're speaking only about the water as the element that surrounds the person. But when we speak about being baptized into water, it speaks of the impact that takes place in our lives because of the water that we walked into it indicates a subjective experience something is happening to me not just on my epidermis not just on my skin I feel the water but on the inside of us that which is natural, there is a spiritual and supernatural reality that is taking place. The Bible tells us that John was baptizing people in water, but into repentance. And we read about that in Acts 9, when Paul emphasized this to the Ephesian Christians, a passage that we just recently alluded to. And to what then were you Baptized they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. Because they repented, John brought them into the water and said, this is now the symbol of the washing away of your sins. This is now bringing to completion and consummation The repentance that you performed before God by asking him to cleanse and forgive you of all of your sins. Maybe I can illustrate it by using this example. Two people who are deeply and madly in love, but that love... And they could say how much they love a person, but that love is truly not consummated until they're brought together into the fullness of that love through marriage. And now, and Stephen said amen, and now it is not just an emotion or a declaration of saying I love you. That love through marriage is now complete because two have become not only one flesh, Sometimes we think marriage is just something that is physical. There is a deep spiritual dynamic that takes place because two people actually become one in God's sight. And the same thing happens in repentance. And this repentance cannot be emphasized enough. While we know salvation truly comes by faith, there is a prerequisite. It's not just simply by saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. Foundation for our salvation begins with this repentance. And it's not just a simple, oh, God, I'm sorry. It is a deep repentance. We are immersed into this repentance where our whole body, soul, and spirit understands how we as an evil creation of God have sinned against the holy God. We have done evil in his sight. And that's why Peter said he gives us this divine process that takes place when we accept Jesus. Repent. That's the first thing. And then be baptized. As I read this, I thought, wow, that's amazing. That really is the alpha and the omega of salvation. It's the first thing that happens. We repent. Of course, we hear the gospel, but what's our response? Repent. And then between repentance and baptism, something else takes place. And that something else is we confess our sin. We confess that we believe in Jesus. Whosoever confesses and believes in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, they are the ones who are saved. And then we say, okay, I'm saved. Now I'm going to follow Jesus in the waters of baptism. Understand this morning, baptism is an immersion where we're confronted with our total depravity and recognition that our sin nailed Jesus to the cross. I I know that's... That's not in vogue today. We're not supposed to make people feel uncomfortable about their sin. Because we have this idea, I'm okay and you're okay. We're all okay. Just so you're good, just so you try to be good, God loves you. Of course, God loves us. But he can't receive us as his children until we repent. Until we acknowledge our sinfulness and understanding that it's not just, I'm sorry, but it is a change of mind. It is a change of heart. It is an immersion into a radical transformation about how we think and feel about our pet sins. We're going to lay them aside. We're going to renounce them. We're not going to do them anymore It's a change of direction. Repentance is an about face. If there is no about face, there's no repentance. Therefore, there is no conversion. Therefore, there is no salvation. Then we're commanded to be baptized by immersion, which again, as we've said, pictures our salvation. But this salvation is an immersion, isn't it? When we ask Jesus into our heart, did we just get sprinkled with a little bit of grace? Sprinkled with a little bit of forgiveness? No, when we came to the foot of the cross in sincere repentance and wept before a holy God for the sinfulness of our hearts, what happened? His blood has cleansed us and washed us completely, has given us a new heart and a new life. He has changed us dramatically. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things pass away and all things become new. See, we, when we came to Christ, there was a complete salvation. Complete salvation. Everything that we need to live for Jesus has been made available to us through the cross. You know, in the miracle of conception, even though so many people in our world will not acknowledge or recognize this, but when a single sperm cell fertilizes a single ovum, a miracle of life takes place, and everything that are in those two cells is all that that tiny embryo needs to become fully human. It's all there. And I want us to be encouraged this morning, because some of us might say, well, I'm not where I should be in Christ. Well, until the day we die, we will never fully be there. But we need to be progressing. We need to be moving forward. We need to be growing every day, every day conforming. Everything that God deposited in us at our salvation that is in this Word of God, the holy seed of the Spirit of God is everything that we need to develop into Christlikeness. It's just a matter of cultivating the life of God in us, watering it in prayer and through the word and allowing it to grow and grow and grow until we are fully conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. All that we need. All that we need. Now I want to briefly focus as I close on a passage in 1 Corinthians in chapter 10 where Paul speaks of the Israelites that are crossing the Red Sea. You know, he says these things are for our example. Why did Paul write about the Red Sea crossing? He wanted us to learn something. He wanted us to apply something. And here he says this is really a metaphor of baptism. He says these Israelites were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What happened when the children of Israel were in Egypt, when God called them out? And he saved them from death. How did he do that? He do that, did that by commanding them to slay the Passover lamb. And to apply the lintel on the doorposts of their homes. But that didn't separate them from Egypt. Because while they were spared from the death angel when they left Egypt. What does the Bible tell us? That Pharaoh still pursued them. They were still within the reach of Pharaoh and they came to the banks of the Red Sea. They saw the Red Sea before them and they saw Pharaoh's army behind them. There's an application that I want us to see and understand this morning, that we certainly believe in the blood that saves us, but baptism teaches us. It is in the waters of baptism that we are separated From the world, the flesh, and the devil. As we identify with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. That's how we can live a victorious Christian life. I think it was Martin Luther who said every time he got tempted somehow to dishonor God or to fall into sin he immediately came to his mind and into his spirit. I am baptized. And that did the trick. He recognized I've identified with Christ in baptism, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. Therefore, I have been raised to walk in newness of life. This sin does not have dominion and power over me. Sin is defeated in my life. I walk in newness of life. It's not the H2O. It's not the water. It's our union with Jesus Christ. The blood saves us from the death angel, but the water separates us from Egypt. Some of us, even those who may have been baptized many, many years ago, still need to get separated from Egypt. Recognize that through your union with Christ, when you walked into that baptismal tank, whether it's two years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago, it is still through that same union and acknowledging I died with Christ, I was buried with Christ, and now I am raised to live with Christ. Paul says in Romans 6, we were buried Therefore, with him by baptism into his death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so this morning, Christian friends, crossing the Red Sea, what that was to the Jew in relationship to Pharaoh, baptism is to us as Christians in relationship to the enemies of our soul. Satan, the world, the flesh, the devil. The Bible says that the children of Israel were baptized into Moses when they went through the Red Sea. What happened? They were brought. Under the anointing of this leader that God had appointed. Now God has appointed for us, as we're learning in Hebrews, a much better leader than Moses. His name is Jesus, the son of the living God, the captain and the leader of our salvation. In the waters of baptism, we are declaring, we have come under his leadership. We're no longer under the rule of Satan. We're no longer under the rule of the world or the flesh. We are now under his dominion. And that's why during baptismal services, so often we hear the song sung, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. It's by the power of the blood and in our union with Jesus that we're delivered. Do we realize We have been already delivered. If you feel like you are under the feet of Satan, you you need to understand you've got it backwards. Satan is under our feet because Jesus has defeated that enemy. We are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. And even so, as Pharaoh's army was drowned... In the waters of the Red Sea, I want you to know this morning that when we walk into the waters of that baptismal tank this morning, all of Satan's demons are also drowned. They have no dominion over you. Sickness has no dominion over you. Yes, we get sick, but we can declare he is Jehovah Rapha, and by his stripes, we are healed. Christian friends, we don't understand the provision of the cross. Let us not allow the death of Jesus Christ to be in vain today, but let baptism be a reminder for all of us that we have been given a great salvation that was not purchased for us by silver or gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus. So we can tell Satan today, get lost, devil. I'm a dead person. I can't hear your voice. I can't listen to the temptations you're tempting me with because I was buried on the day that I was baptized. One of the sad realities of life today in the natural is when we go to a burial, we know that is always the final farewell because death brings an end to a relationship. Of course, we thank God for the memories, but the relationship is no longer there. They they can't talk to us. They can't respond to us. But the joyous reality of our lives as believers today is through baptism. Any connection with Satan has been terminated, is cut off in the name of Jesus because we're dead. And we can't respond to Satan. Now we're alive unto Christ. We're not alive unto the world. We're not alive to our flesh. We're not alive to sin. We're alive unto God and to serve him all the days of our life. And I think about Jesus, how when he walked the earth, he was really tormented, wasn't he, by the religious leaders, by his enemies? They taunted him while he walked the earth. But what happened when he came out of that grave? They couldn't touch him. They couldn't touch him. He was out of their reach. We're out of the reach of the enemy today. We're out of his reach. I know he can growl, and you might hear his growl, but I I want you to know he has no teeth that he could sink into our flesh. He's defeated. We need, to, we need to understand today, Satan is under our feet. Satan is under our feet. And baptism confirms that to us. And so as believers today, we need to understand it's not enough just to have a confession of faith and say, Christ died for my sins. We must say, I have been crucified with Christ. It's not enough to say, Jesus was buried but I need to be able to say I was buried with Christ in his death and it's not enough for us to say Jesus rose from the dead but we need to proclaim and declare that I too have risen in Christ by the power of his resurrection to walk in new life and declare through baptism that I live in victory over the world, over the flesh, and over the devil. For the scripture tells us in Galatians 3 and 24, for as many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So you know, when Satan comes against us, do you know he's coming against? He's coming on against Christ. Is he a match for Jesus? Jesus already defeated him at the cross. We need to understand who we are as believers today. Our life is hid with Christ in God. As we come to the conclusion of this message this morning, I want us to declare and repeat the Nicene Creed that I know many churches repeat during a baptismal service. It's a powerful statement of the Christian faith. It was actually written in 325 A.D. That's a lot of years ago. And after all of these years, the doctrines of God's Word have not changed. Do you know what you believe today? I pray that as we declare these together, we will declare our faith in God's Word and in the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So let's declare together... one in being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered died and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen, amen, and amen. This is our faith. People died for this faith, and we declare it today. We declare it today and believe it with all of our hearts. This morning, it's our our great privilege, and some of you have been waiting a long time and because of COVID,